Okay, so I'm looking for eight volunteers. And I'd like one. Okay, you can come up here. I'd like one volunteer that's a seventh grader or older. So if you want to just, I need eight volunteers. One that's a seventh grader or older. It's not going to kill anybody. I'll give you, I'll give, if someone's from the seventh grader or older comes up here, I'll give you two suckers. Two suckers. Okay, come up on the stage just for a second. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to, uh, uh, Daisy, thank you for coming up. I'd like to give you the whole bag just because, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm kind of curious, Daisy, how would you describe the word opposite without using an example? Okay, different from something else. Okay, let's see if you understand what the word opposite means. What is the opposite of winning? Good job. Good job. Give a round of applause. Go have a seat. That's all I needed. We only got boys today, huh? Okay. Let's see. I want, I'm going to take you three, give you three the, the, the really tough questions, okay? See if you guys understand what the word opposite means. What is the opposite of hot? Cold. Cold. What is the opposite of left? What is the opposite of up? Okay, I'm giving it to him. All right, good job. Go have a seat, guys. Just, just, these guys got this down, this opposite idea. Let's see if these guys know what the difference is. What is the opposite of rich? Poor. Which would you prefer, to be rich or poor? Probably rich. Hmm. Dad, do you agree? He probably would prefer to be rich. Why would you prefer to be rich over being poor? Dallas Cowboy gear and a house and a motorbike. Okay, good job. Okay. Okay, what is the opposite of being happy? Sad. Okay, sad. Which would you prefer? Happy. Why? Makes your life better, okay. What is the opposite of being hungry? Boy, that was a tough one. Okay. The opposite of being hungry is being full. And what would you prefer, to be hungry or full? Full. Mm, full. This is not my kid. <laughs> yes, prefer to be full as opposed to being hungry. Okay, what is the opposite of people saying mean things about you? Saying nice things about you. And which would you prefer? Saying nice things. Why was that? It makes you feel bad. Good, good job. You guys got this down. And I bet everybody out there knew exactly what the opposite was. And today we're going to be looking at opposites. In Luke chapter 6, verses 20 through 26, we're going to see a list of opposites. And, in, and just like you can't go left if you're going right, you can't go up if you're going down, you can't be blessed by God unless you go the path that he, take, he tells you that says this is how you're going to be blessed. And let's look at... Uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 26, and then we'll come back to it. It says, verse 20, says, Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Verse 23 says, Rejoice in that day and because great is your reward in the heaven. It says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, 
Because great is your reward in heaven, for, in, for that is how they, the fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn. Woe, or, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. And you see here, a blessed, you see the opposites of poor and rich, weeping and, and, and being happy, well-fed and being hungry, people liking you, people not liking you. And immediately we look at that list, and just like little kids who know the opposite of hot and cold, we know exactly what the opposite is of these things, and we know exactly what we want. I prefer to be well-fed over being hungry, and I, I imagine everybody else could imagine being the same. Well, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Last week he picked 12 of them out of his whole group of people, but there are a lot of other people around who, who are disciples, and they're also potential disciples. And then there's a bigger group of people who just came to watch. What is Jesus going to do? What kind of miracles is he going to do? And what is Jesus going to teach? Because they're very curious. And I think Jesus is helping people decide, you're sitting on a fence right now, and I want you to decide if you're going to get on my side of the fence or you're going to get on the world side of the fence. And so they have this option. So there's you have disciples and the first kind of disciple that you have is the people who, we said last week, they fill their think tank. They're a pupil, they're a learner, and they just sit and they hear everything that the speaker says. But the kind of disciple that Jesus has, and the, disciple, the kind of disciples that he's looking for, is not the people who just fill their think tank, because you've got to do that, but the kind of disciple who's going to take out and live what he hears from the teacher, whether he likes it or not, whether it's going to benefit him or not, because most of this that you see in here today does not look like it benefits you, not from the world's point of view anyway. And the first, thing we, the first word we come across is blessed. Now, when we think of the word blessed, we think of something co- almost completely different from what God's view of, of being blessed, because we look and we say, wow, Ashley, you are blessed with a beautiful singing voice. Kathy was blessed, and we were blessed with her playing the piano. She was blessed to be able to do that. Somebody who's tall is blessed because they have height. And it's based off, yeah, Leslie's saying, yeah, that's right, and I'm not blessed. But people are blessed, but the world's point of view is this is based off the external, based off of things that, in some ways, that you can't control, that can fluctuate up and down, because if Ashley loses her voice, do we say, hey, you're blessed anymore? We we feel sorry for her, and we, we say, bummer, but we don't say she's blessed. If Kathy gets arthritis in her fingers and she can't play anymore, we don't say, wow, she's blessed. If we say somebody who's tall loses their legs in an accident, we don't say they're blessed anymore. So it's, a, it's an outward, external thing that the world looks and says, lucky you, good fortune, you're, you are blessed because of something that happened to you. God's blessing, or the blessing that Jesus is kind of pointing out today, is similar. And it's similar because it says, uh, you're fortunate, you're well off, you're supremely blessed. Now, if you look at that, you look even at this list slightly, blessed are you who are poor, you don't feel like you're supremely blessed. You don't feel fortunate. You feel like somebody messed up on the definition. You don't feel like God's blessing you. You feel like God's cursing you because life is miserable. And why would you do this to me, God? And that's, but there's a difference because when God blesses you, it's not necessarily a blessing you're going to get here. People who are poor don't all of a sudden just every poor person get this big lump of money. People who are sad don't all of a sudden get something brought into their life to make them happy. It's not meant to be here. It's meant to be in heaven. 
And it's a blessing that you cannot see, and that's what makes it tough. I think if I had a little screen or a little uh, monitor that said, this is what you're earning because of how you're living on earth, it'd be real easy to keep doing the right thing. It'd be easy to be Jesus' disciple because I'm watching this pile up. But I have no idea. It's like I'm blind to what I'm, I'm actually going to receive. And so it makes it tough, but we have to take it by faith. Now, we in America, we're not used to this idea of suffering very much. You know, it's, it's going to get hot out this summer. How many people have an air conditioning unit? How many people plan to switch that thing on, right? When I get in my car, if it's too hot with the windows down, I roll up my windows, I turn on the air conditioning because I don't want to be uncomfortable. If you're hungry, how many of us have a fridge? You just open the door and there you go, and I can eat. How many kids, if you're at school and you're getting picked on, or if, or if you're at work and a co-worker's picking on you, or you're out and about and somebody's picking on you, you have some place you can go to alleviate that, right? We don't want discomfort, and I'm not saying go out and be as uncomfortable as possible, but in America, we're used to the idea of this is not comfortable to me. I'm going to stop whatever it is, and I'm going to change the direction I'm going because I want to be happy. I live here. I want to be comfortable. But Jesus says if you're going to be blessed for eternity— you're going to have to endure a little, a little bit. And there's lots of people who have this idea of, I want to follow Jesus. But when it comes to what it really means to follow Jesus, people think, they take a second guess. I mean, or they take a second look at this and back up and say, well, maybe this isn't really what I wanted. The first thing he says is, blessed are the poor. You're fortunate. You're well off. You're supremely blessed because you're poor. You're lack, I mean, poor is, you're lacking financially. You're, you're in poverty, because that's who Jesus is talking to. People who are poor, they're in poverty. They may not even have two cents to rub together. And he says, blessed are you who are poor. But you have to understand that being, this is not a blanket statement that everybody in the whole world is blessed just because they're poor. You can be poor for a bunch of wrong reasons, because you made a bad investment, because you did not go to work and you got fired so you have no money, because you... Uh, because you just have bummer luck. You know, some people just, everything goes wrong with everything that they touch. They don't have the Midas touch of gold. They have the, the uh, if, if something can go wrong, it will. Murphy's Law, that's what's attached to them is Murphy's Law. And everything goes wrong. But God's not going to bless people because they're poor for that reason. It's, it's, I'm sorry that you're like that, but that's not a blessing. What's, what's blessed is the, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, because these are disciples who are choosing to go with God or go with Jesus as opposed to doing what in the world is going to keep them self-comfortable. A few weeks ago, we looked at Luke, or in the book of Luke. We saw Peter, who left everything. He left his great big boat with a load of fish to follow Jesus. But you also had his brother Andrew. You had James and John, who just left everything to go follow Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went was not a place to go fishing. It wasn't like they could... We're going to fish for a while, and then we're going to serve, you know, walk with Jesus. It was like we're completely severing. We're leaving everything to follow Jesus. They weren't the only ones. Matthew, the tax collector, did that as well. We saw that he, he could pretty much have all the money he ever wanted because he could collect taxes, and he could just say, hey, that's going to be a few bucks more to each person. And they don't know the difference, and so they're going to pay him, and he just keeps a separate pile then later sticks that in his pocket. And so he gets paid for doing the job, but he also gets all this extra money, and he left everything to follow Jesus. But there's, there's more than that, because there's people who, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
This is a really tough passage. I mean, it's, it's a very honorable passage to read. It's a very challenging passage to read because these people were poor, but they didn't let them stop. They, that did not stop them from serving God with their money even more. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 4. says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that has been given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints. These people were poor. By their standards, they were poor. But they said, I don't care that I'm poor. I want to support you in your missionary work because what you're doing is going to last. I'm going to be poor. It's going to be tough for me, even tougher now. But what you're doing is going to last for eternity. And I want to be a part of that. So people can be poor for that reason. And Jesus isn't just, he wasn't, he didn't live the life of ease and the life of luxury and say, well, you know what, I really did have everything I wanted, but here's what I want you to do. Everything that we see here is exactly what Jesus did as well. In Matthew eight twenty, you find out that Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus didn't have pockets lined with money. He didn't have a source of income. He relied totally on God when he went out to serve God. And he says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make something clear. Being poor is not a prerequisite to get to heaven. You don't have to be poor to get to heaven. There are rich people who get to heaven. Isn't that nice? I don't have to empty out my bank account in order to get to heaven. I can get there, I get there because I'm a sinner who has trusted Jesus Christ for salvation. I have my money. I have my possessions. It doesn't matter. It's only by trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior, and there's lots of rich people who have done that. We all, know, we all understand that if you, are, if you have nothing, you can't really help people with anything. And God talks about good, stewardish, good stewardship, and he talks about helping the poor. And so you have to have something in order to help people. So it's not a, it's not a step to get to heaven. It's just people who are willing to follow Jesus are willing to say, I'm choosing what God, where God is leading me, over what's going to keep me comfortable in this world. And it's the opposite, the opposite of left is right. You can't go left and right at the same time. You've got to choose. If you, it says, woe to you, in verse 24, woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. I just said, it's not a, it's not a prerequisite to get to heaven. It's okay to have money. The people of this day must be the kind of people who are using everything that they have on me. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do whatever it takes to store up my bank account, and I'm going to, I'm going to just keep myself happy. And there's a, there's a proverb we'll look at probably in four months in Luke chapter 12 where there was this guy who, who had this abundant crop, and he had all sorts of money, and he says, boy, what am I going to do with all this? I think what I'll do is I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns, and I'll say, look at you. You have a lot stored up for yourself in, on earth for a long time. And Jesus says, what's... What you have is going to be demanded from you. All this guy was thinking was, look at me, look what I have. And he ended up with nothing. So, and it's woe to him because it's not going to last. It's as if Jesus is saying, you had your, your blessing here on earth. I hope you enjoyed it because that's all you're getting. If, if all you're looking at is this world and what I can get out of this world and what I can store for myself on this earth, I hope you enjoy it. 
because that's all you're going to get. There's nothing else to, left to have. The next thing says, Woe to you, or ble- I'm sorry, blessed are you who hunger now. You're fortunate, you're well off, you're supremely blessed. Now, I have to admit, I had breakfast this morning. We have, we have meat in the crock pot when I get home from Arlie and Ramona. We're going to go, it's going to smell good. I can't wait to go stick my teeth into whatever it is. And I have, I have plans for dinner, even if it's just popcorn. I'm going to eat something, right? And I imagine everybody else in here is going to eat something too. So it's not just I got to go starve myself so then I'm blessed. Again, it's not a, blank, a blanket statement. If you were to walk up to somebody who's hungry and say, wow, somebody in Ethiopia, man, are you blessed because you're hungry? They're going to think, why don't uh, we switch places? Why don't you be blessed for a while? Or there's enough blessing to go around. Why don't you be hungry with me? It's not that kind of a blessing. It's not a blanket statement. It's the kind of thing where people are choosing to be hungry. They're choosing, instead of trying to satisfy every need that I have, I'm going to choose to follow every need that God would have me fulfill. The disciples, last week we mentioned that they had come from way up north in Tyre and Sidon. They came down here from Jerusalem. And somewhere in the middle, I'm guessing, is where they met. And Jesus was there. They had to travel 50 to 75 miles, I'm just guessing, to get to where Jesus is at. And that's a long way to travel. And I bet there was people there who were like, we've got to just really limit ourselves on what we're eating because we want to make sure we have enough for the trip home. There's people whose stomachs are grumbling because they don't have a fridge right there every day to get to. They're, they traveled a great distance, but they said, Jesus is more important than making sure my stomach is filled all the time. Following Jesus, being his disciple, might mean that our everyday needs are not met. We have a choice, just like they did. They had a choice to make. Am I going to be a disciple, even though I'm, I'm lacking what I feel like I need? Because at any point, they, they wanted to, they could. You're, you're there with Jesus. You say, boy, Jesus is long-winded. I, I don't know when I'm going to get home. You get up and you walk out. And you, you, go, you, you go get home and you eat something. There's, there's always this choice because Jesus wasn't demanding anybody to be his disciple. He says, there's a blessing if you are, but if you choose to, you've got to know that there's a cost to this. He didn't, he didn't pull the wool over anybody's eyes, which might mean a lot more disciples at first, but once they realize how tough it really is, they're going to say, no way. And Jesus was not making, he was not hiding it. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, he knows hunger and thirst. It says, I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. In that whole chapter 11, you have all these trials and tribulations that uh, Paul suffered in order to be a, 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 an effective Christian. He was beaten, he was robbed, and, or I don't know if he was robbed, but he was beaten, he was, he was whipped, he, he went nights without hunger and, or without food and without drink. But guess what? It's like a bad dream. At, at whatever point he says, I'm done, he can, wake, he can wake up, he can walk away and say, okay, I've suffered enough for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to now start taking care of myself. Because Jesus didn't force him to do that. If, if Paul was to walk the way the world walked, they're going to leave him alone. Life is going to be completely fine if Paul turns, his, turns away and does exactly what the rest of the world is doing. In Acts, uh, Acts, I think Acts chapter 18, verse 3, you find out that Paul was a tent maker. Being a missionary was not the only thing that Paul could do. He chose to do that. He could have said, okay, that's too tough. I'm hungry. I don't like the way this is going. And so I'm just going to start building tents with my friends, and I'm going to sell them and, and, and put them on Amazon and on eBay, and I'm going to sell these things, and it's going to go viral, 
and I'm going to be set for this life. He could have done that at any point he wanted to, but he said sharing the gospel with people, living for Jesus is more important than what I'm going to get out of life right now. It says, uh, woe to you who are well fed now because you're going to hungry. Those are the people, like I said, who said, I'm going to keep everything for myself. I'm only going to look out for what I can get. You know, I, I was wondering, like, how would this look practically in life? You know, if you ever, you ever go to work or you ever, you're driving down the road and you're hungry and you got one sandwich, would you be willing to see somebody at work who forgot their lunch and say, here, why don't you have this? Or why don't we split this in half? And that's just a simple way of going hungry. You're not going to die from that. But you're, God's going to bless you because you do something just as simple as that. The next one says, blessed are those who weep now. I, I don't like crying whatsoever. I don't cry because I'm happy. I don't like, Leslie sometimes puts on a, a sad YouTube. I don't want the tears to show. This is a weeping that is obvious to everybody. It's, it's an agony. It's a pain as if you lost somebody. And Jesus says, blessed are those who weep. Now, I don't know how many of you are just, are, are, have that in your nature that you want to do that. I don't. I don't, I don't like to, to weep. But these people, there's a real likelihood that they're going to weep. They left, if they leave everything to follow Jesus, there's going to be a price to pay, and it's going to be a painful price to pay. As they, as they walk closer and closer with God, they might start weeping over really what their sins meant to, to Jesus, because, or what it meant to God, because the closer you walk with God, the more you realize that, okay, I lied, oh, I'm sorry, God, and you just keep moving on. It's, it's more how real it is. It really, it costs Jesus a lot. Just because I told that lie, just because I, I stole this little thing, it costs a lot. And people, maybe not us, but there are people who are going to weep the, the, the closer they get with God and the more they recognize what their sins cost. But there's also people who are going to weep because I've chosen to follow Jesus and now I'm, I'm getting rejected by my friends. I'm getting rejected by my family. And that hurts. We don't like to be rejected in our world you try to be everybody's friend. I mean, I, I want people to like me. I want people to accept me. And then when someone starts, you know, people start being standoffish, it starts hurting my feelings. When people start, when you walk into a room and everybody's talking, and then you walk in and all of a sudden it's quiet, don't you wonder what's going on? And then if, if you know that people are, are against you because you're a disciple of Jesus, it hurts. And when your family says, I don't want anything to do with you, because you're one of those Jesus freaks, you're one of those Jesus people, stay away from me, that's going to cause you to weep. And that's the same thing these people, they're going to be rejected. They were going to be uh, talked bad about because they were Jesus' disciples, and they're going to weep. Uh, Jesus, a few weeks ago when we were looking at Palm Sunday, he saw Jerusalem, and he was weeping. He's sitting on the donkey, and he's weeping because he sees this whole nation that's rejecting him. And we might find ourselves in the same situation where we're, we're saying our, our nation as America is just totally going down the tank. It's totally against God. And the closer you get to God, the more you realize how much that breaks God's heart. And what breaks his heart may eventually break your heart. And you might find yourself weeping if you choose to be his disciple, if you choose to go the direction that he's asking you to go. But it's your choice. We, we, it's easy to, every time I feel sad about something, and I, I'm guilty of this too, I, I hear something sad or, or there's some bad news. What do we want to do? We want to put on a movie. Be, that's what I want to do. I want to like separate myself from that bad feeling, that sad feeling. And I want to get focused on something positive because I don't want to feel bad either. 
It says, blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Did you know up in heaven, uh, Revelation 21, verse 4 says, there's no more crying. There's no more pain. You're not going to be up there pouting or sad or gloomy. You're going to be excited. You're going to see all these people. I, we were talking about it in Sunday school today, and Dale and I were having this little discussion about what we'd look like. And we both said, I hope I don't look like me. <laughs> there will be no weeping. There'll be no crying. It's going to be a place of blessing, but that's in the future. I can't see that. I don't know that. And so it's hard to say, I want that, because i got to suffer something now if I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm 38 years old, and I don't know how long i got to live. I might live another 40 years and have people reject me and be poor and, ha- and have to weep and have be hungry and be miserable. I might have to give up all sorts of things now for the next 40 years, and that's a long time. I mean, I'm only 38, and I don't realize how long 38 years is. But 40 more years is a long time, and I don't want to suffer. But that doesn't compare to what we have to look forward to in heaven. And it says, woe to you who laugh. And now we all like a good joke. We all like a good comedy. There's really nothing wrong with laughing, except for if we choose to make entertainment, if we choose to make uh, what we're laughing at more important than God. If If all we're focused on is happy me, happy me, we're not focused on the real need of people. We're not focused on the real need of these people need to hear the bad news that they need a savior. And so we're not gonna we're gonna always just be focused on what makes me happy. And if if Jesus is saying, I hope that if you're one of those people, you enjoyed it, I hope you can remember how funny that was and what made you happy, because that's all there is. That's all there is, and you're gonna be in hell, there's no laughter there. There's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth, there's misery. That's all you're going to get. You can look forward to that. This is probably the toughest one. It says, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. They're going to detest you. They're going to persecute you. There's stories of, of people in other countries. There's honor killings. Because you become a Christian, we, it's not consistent with what we believe. We're just going to kill you. There's people who are they're really rejected. They're kicked out. They're, they run for their lives after a fear of being persecuted by their uh, tribe or their, their community. And that's, that's, that's a very scary thing. That's not something we really experience here. You're a Christian. I mean, I can, I can walk, I think, anywhere in Plevin and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a, I follow Jesus. And no one's going to, like, slam the door in my face. No one's going to pull out a gun. No one's going to call the cops and say, hey, let's get rid of this guy. It's going to be completely safe. But for the people back then... They were going to have to make a choice. Am I going to go with what my family wants, or am I going to have to, or am I going to go with what God wants? And that's a very tough decision. They're going to be excluded. They're going to people are going to sever relationships. Think about if when we talked about a guy who has leprosy, all of a sudden you're banished, and you have no you you, you want you long for that companionship. You long to see your friends. You long to see your family. They have that relationship, but you don't have it anymore. And they had to make this choice. They're sitting on the fence. What side are you going to be on? They were going to be taunted, made fun of. They were going to be thought of as evil just because they believed in the name of Jesus. And very quickly you get the idea that following Jesus, boy, I don't know. I mean, that's a choice i got to make, but I don't know if the future is worth it. I don't know because I'm living in the present right now. But he says in verses, verse 23, he says, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. He says, Great is your reward in heaven. 
Great is your reward. Now, we, we look, we say great, and it's like an imaginary thing. I don't know. I, it's like the ceiling's there. I cannot see what's past it. But God's going to give you something great. Is it going to be a great big something? Is it going to be great in uh, size? Is it going to be great in quality? I don't know. But I'll guarantee you that the, the people who have died and have gone to heaven who are enjoying that right now, they would tell each and every one of us it's worth it. This life is not all there is. You've got heaven to look forward to. Make the choice. I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm not going to live for what this world says is going to make me happy. I'm not going to live for the, the joys and the contentments of this world, of, of the greatest things of this world. Now we look and we say, okay, I'm not poor because I saved my money. I mean, I, I help the poor. I saved my money. I invested well. I don't squander it. I make good financial decisions. So that's kind of tough to relate to. I'm, I'm not hungry because I had breakfast. Yes, my tummy's growling. I wish you'd shut up, Josh, and, and get done because my tummy, I, I know it's going on, you know, because I could be sitting in your shoes. But we really, we can go home and we're going to get some food. So how does this relate to us? Well, the, the quickest, most painful way possible that I can say this is, is not anything that I look and say, that's you or you, but it's choosing to make, if we, it's choosing to, what God wants over anything else in our life. It may be choosing God over my extra part-time job. Because we have a job, and we can, we can be focused, and we can take all the overtime hours that we want. And we could end up neglecting serving God. It, it could be uh, choosing God over my entertainment. And I've, I've admitted, and I'll probably admit for the next 100 years, my entertainment is putting on like old black and whites. I love I Love Lucy. And sometimes i got to choose and say, instead of, Doing that, I'm going to get out into the world and I'm going to go meet my neighbors and I'm going to share Christ with them. But I, it's a sacrifice. But I got to choose something that I want to say no to that to do what God wants. They may be choosing to say no to a hobby or a sport that takes keeps you away from God. And it's these are painful things because these are things that we like. But Jesus is worth it. And I'm not saying every single time of every part of your life. But if you had to, it was worth it. Because Jesus, he came down. He didn't come down for a few days and suffer. He was here for 33 years so that we could have eternal life. This world is not your home. This world is not your home. Say, this world is not my home. And it's, it's, I'm only passing through. My citizenship is not here. I mean, I'm 38 years old and I'm still, every day I have to tell myself, this is not all there is. This is not all there is. I mean, even though I love Plevna, and I love you guys, I love it here, this world is not my home. i got to keep my focus on what is coming next. So if you're here, and you're, you're feeling like, well, you know what, I haven't exactly lived like a disciple the way that I should. I understand that, but guess what? Today is a new day. God's mercies are new every day. Choose today, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to choose to do what God wants me to do today over what I want to do. Maybe those things can work together. Maybe I can play basketball and be a witness on the court. Maybe I can, uh, if whatever you like to do, work in the yard and invite somebody to a neighbor and share the gospel with them at the same time. But it's not all about me and what keeps me happy. It's about doing what God wants and what keeps him happy. But it's your choice. God's not going to make you. He didn't make you trust him as his savior. He didn't make you. He, he loves you. He wants you to choose. He's not going to make you follow him. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to choose. And if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not a disciple or, or, or I don't know Jesus as my Savior, there's, you, you want to live like this because there's something in the human body that says, 
I'm going to help take care of the poor. And I want, I want to give them food, and I want to be nice, and uh, I, I, want to, I, I do feel sad for the state of this world. But all that's superficial. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a choice to make. You have two choices. You can go to heaven, where you'll be blessed with God forever, or you're going to go to hell, where there's weeping, where there's gnashing of teeth. But the same choice is yours. Just like if you're going to choose hot or cold, when you get home today, you turn on that cold water because you want to drink. I want you to think about this. I'm making a choice to have cold water. I'm, when I'm leaving the parking lot, I'm take, making a choice to go left. I'm going to make the choice to be a disciple. I've made the choice to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you haven't done that, you've already made a choice. You've got to choose to be a disciple of Jesus. I, I can't say it any more clear. I'm sure other people can. But this, I just, please believe me. And please, even though you already know this, this life is temporary. This world is not your home. You're only passing through. Your treasures are stored up somewhere among, beyond the blue. If you're a disciple, praise God. If you're not, please remember. and be, be encouraged to go out today and live your life like a disciple. It's not going to be easy. You really only have one shot at this. Because when you die, it's too late to say, Oh, Jesus, I'm going to accept you as my Savior now. It's too late. It's too late to say, oh, Jesus, I, I, uh, I'd like to give you everything I have in my bank account right now, or I'd like to, to do something to have a reward in heaven. You have one shot, and today may be your only day. You may have 10 more years. You may have 50 more years. You don't know, but you have one shot at life, and let's make the most of it. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your salvation. God, I know it is not easy to follow you. I mean, if we're really going to think about this, about following you, God, I know it's, it's a big price to pay. It's a big commitment. But it's not any bigger than the price you paid for us. You, you died on a cross so we could have salvation. And you didn't even deserve it, God. And I pray that you'd help us to have the same desire to live for you each day, that we wouldn't make other things more important than you, but we'd be careful to make you more important in our lives uh, than they are right now. I just pray for anybody here, God, who at once... The little extra oomph that they need to be a good disciple, I just pray that you give that to them today as well. In Jesus' name, amen.